0: hope is here. Can you say amen to that? Amen. You know, 1992, January 5th, to be exact, something happened in our life. Gwyn and I were just young. We're 26. And uh, in 1992, that Sunday evening, our church, the chapel, then the Lighthouse Assembly of God, decided to make us pastor. And being 26, you know, we We didn't have a clue, but you know what we did have? We had hope. Now, that week, something even in our life even outshadowed that which was almost unthinkable. I'm telling you, unthinkable. It kept me up at night until this happened, and then baby doll, I really couldn't go to sleep. That's when Gwen came in and said, John, you're going to be a father. Has anybody ever experienced that where you go, Who? No, no, no. Me? 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 And so for all those years that we uh, have hope in our life, that going back on that day 30 years ago, when we became pastor of the church, and, and Gwen said, you're going to be a father, and for those next nine months, there was something called anticipation in our lives. We began to look and long and expect for God to show up, because not necessarily because only that we wanted him to, but we had to have him come. Have you been in a place where it, it, wasn't, a, it wasn't like a luxury to have hope, but it was a necessity? You know, this morning, as I begin this series called Hope is Here, we're going to take and look at hope from a different perspective that's going to come into the place of thinking like this, the building of a believer. You know, sometimes a person comes to know God and there's not a lot of training that goes on. And it's just kind of out of, I I don't know that they can kind of pick up things and put things in, in their life. And and it kind of guides them in the next few years on how they're going to go. And sometimes later in life, they look back and they go, you know what? I, I really wasn't ever really trained in the word of God. I just kind of, it just kind of happened. And, and what happens is sometimes we get to that place and we look back and go, you know what? Sometimes i got to unlearn some things. Because I, I, I picked up on things that really weren't so. And, and maybe the speaker or the pastor or the, the, the Bible study or whatever, it, no, I don't agree with that now. And I don't know about you, but for John Miller, sometimes unlearning something is harder than learning something new and right the first time to unlearn it has to go back, and you have to change your belief system that up to that time you've been making choices out of, and it's constantly putting you in experiences. And a lot of times with the Word of God, and now listen to me, and and I hope you know, and I hope you trust that I love you, but but I say this because sometimes we get to a place where it is easy and more comfortable for us to stay in the wrong because it's familiar, than it is to step into the right. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. And sometimes when we are acting, and and I I, I say this personally, when when you're doing things and, and you go, well, the Word of God doesn't say that. But you stay here, you're basing your belief system off of your own experiences, not on the Word of God. And a lot of times we'll begin to tell our brain to work out things to convince us that we're right. Now today, as we start, I hope that you have hope in tomorrow. And some of the things that are blockades in your life right now that are causing you to say, "Ah, that don't work. Or I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm 18 years old and I know everything. That doesn't work. And all of our mature, older people say, amen. But if I said, if you're old and foggy and you don't, you know, all of our young people say, amen, brother, come on. Wherever you are in life. We get to the place, and if just for a few weeks, we can stop and almost go back to the first time that we made that commitment to Jesus Christ, and and begin to put things in our life. and And if you can, if you will, just kind of imagine of a building of a believer to the place of getting to a starting point. And when we get to that place, and I don't know how you came to know God and made Him personal Savior of your life, but not just Savior, but Lord of your life. But I believe that all of us should come to the point where we realize that God is who He says He is, and He can do what He says He can do. That means that if He says that He is God, then He is God. If he says that he can send his son and die on the cross for us, that our sins could be forgiven, but it's your choice, then that's so. And I know in my own life, just because it's written down, even if it is in the Holy Bible, it's a whole other thing to do what it's written down and what I say I believe than just agree with it. You know, because when I start a series like this one, or if I'm a, a parishioner, or if I'm I'm sitting in the congregation and a guest speaker is speaking, and he he says, My title today is on hope. John Miller likes to go and into the place where I try to fill out the blank, so to speak, before it even begins. And this morning, I, I don't know if anybody can really go where I'm going, but but stay with me. Because as we start this series, I've had about four weeks, as you know, we've had been blessed by guest speakers to come in, and, and, and I've had time to just kind of sit and rest and kind of look at it about hope. And these are some of the things I want to share with you today. And I want to start with a chapter that a lot of times we think is for Valentine's Day or a marriage, and the chapter is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And when I was praying and preparing for this message weeks ago, and and God, come on, I I gotta have you. I got to have God, come on. Speak to me. This is what kept coming up is, is the fascinating word of hope that is missing in a lot of our lives, and we don't even really recognize it. But when I read this chapter again, look, look what it says. In chapter 13, verse 4, up to this point, Paul is trying to confirm with all of us that you got to have a love. (laughs) I like that. Anyway, verse 4, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. Now, as I read this, if you're walking in love, you're doing what Jesus said to do, right? But, but see, some of us, with their hands raised, have a problem every once in a while walking in love. When I read a passage of Scripture that I go, I don't like that, I, I read it faster so I'm going to slow down. And, and listen, if you're a believer, if you made the choice to serve God, it's more than making him just the Savior that you're coming out of hell or the bad background that you're in. But it's a choice that you step into that says, you know what? I'm choosing to do the things that God has told me to do. So that's walking as making him Lord of our lives. So again, watch this. Love is patient and kind. Boy, whoo. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. Oh, come on now, Paul. Paul was a cleric, wasn't he? How did he write that? Not irritable. And it keeps no record of wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Now, now when we're talking about love, this this is what God was sharing with me this week. In verse 7, there's a turn. And he begins to talk about kind of the ingredients of love. And he says this, love never gives up. Have you ever been around somebody that you go, I'm done. In today's terminology, I'm so done. And maybe you'll even throw a hip. I'm so done, you know, with that person. But see, Paul is saying, as believers, oops, oops, we, we don't have a choice. And sometimes that's where we go, oh, I've got to come up with a reason why I will not walk in love. But this characteristic is where we're going during this series. And it's about hope. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It is always hopeful. Can you say that with me? Hopeful? Hopeful. Love is always hopeful and endures. Ooh, that word. It just just sounds like work, doesn't it? It endures through every circumstance. Now, now, the whole topic comes down to the last verse, and it says these three things are going to last forever. And in the version that I'm reading from, the New Life translation, it says this, three things that will last forever, ever faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. See, sometimes, and, and I studied this as uh, uh, in on the quiz team. I, I think I was 14, 15, and I remember... Uh, remembering this and thinking to myself when, I've, when I read this and memorized this, that uh, uh, hope and faith were kind of, you know, subparticles, but love rolled out. Paul is saying these are the three things that scream that all of us need to focus on. He didn't say the other parts of the fruit of the Spirit, which are very extremely important, Joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are very important. But in this chapter, he brings out, in the same author that wrote about the fruit of the Spirit, says, no, no, the three big ones, faith and hope and love. And so when I began to think that love was the only thing, then God says, no, 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 John, look at this. Because these other two that are so critical in your walk in the builder, the building of a believer that so many times we here at the chapel, we believe in faith. And we're going to talk many, 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 many sermons on faith. But I want you to see, a lot of times we leave out the word hope and really define in a believer what hope is. It is critical. Because I've seen people that were strong and healthy, but they lost faith. Hope, and they entered into depression and for all practical purposes they didn't want to have life. It says love is the greatest that will last forever but a characteristic of love is that of faith and hope that is inside. See, love look at this love never loses faith and is always hopeful always hopeful and endures through every circumstances this is the thing that kept coming back to me of unlearning some things and then learning new things which really would change my belief system if you're an American and especially if you are from Texas there's something about an arrogant sometimes prideful thing that that's if you're from Texas, it's not bad, Pastor. <laughs> United States of Texas, yeah. If you're ever in a, an arena and they go, who's from Nebraska? Uh, Iowa. Uh, Texas. You know. Even people that move to Texas like me, I'm, I'm a Texan. Said the man from Brazil. (laughs) Faith, look look at this. Love never loses faith, and it, it always is hopeful and endures through every circumstance. So as a believer, as a new believer today, if all of us become a new believer just for today, and then we work on it through this series, as a person that has faith, I'm sorry, as a person that has love, the first thing that I want you to see is hope is generated inside of love. And we're talking about the kind of love that Christ has called us to. And and because hope is generated inside love, there's something about even those people that just frustrate us to no end, that are critics of us, that we are called to walk in love with them, and that's especially where it is revealed in us as believers. I can love those people that love me. I can love this morning Jeff and Debbie Howe that appreciated me on Pastor's Appreciation Day with a gift card to the Texas Longhorn Steakhouse. I love them. No problem. Through the spirit working in my life on that <laughs> but i can tell you if it was your business all those people that it's hard to walk in love with and all those people that are irritable to me that it says that no no that isn't love that isn't what i'm calling you john you know those people that are Hopeful that those people will turn and and, and we've heard those stories of people that walked in love even in spite of their the, the critics that they had until one day the critics changed their heart about that person that those are amazing stories one of them that I love the most is about Abraham Lincoln. And if you've studied Abraham Lincoln, you know he's called one of our forefathers of of patriotism in, in the United States. And as a president, freedom of slavery and the Civil War, all those things. But one of the most amazing stories and an attribute was that he was able to really get outside of himself, so to speak. And to evaluate a circumstance, a relationship with a person, and and be just biased. He, he, I mean not prejudiced in any way, even though the person in the room was a critic of his. He could still walk in love. He's the president. But still he chose to have that characteristic. He was the most powerful man possibly in the world. But still he chose to have hope that a critic would change his view of him by walking in love let me say it again. My first point is hope is generated inside of love. So here's what Abraham Lincoln did. A lot of times, as you know, in, in a presidential campaign, there's hard, oh, hurtful things that are said about one another. And, and sometimes the critics are the people that sit in the cheap seats that really aren't running for president. They just can say bad things. And one of the Abraham Lincoln's greatest critics was a man called uh, Stanton. And his first name, let me say it, is Edwin Stanton. He was a part of the newspaper of the time. Edwin Stanton was such a critic that he would say things about uh, President Lincoln like he is the worst gorilla that had ever been in the country. He'd say something like, uh, let, let me use some of the adjectives he said he was low cunning and he was a clown the original gorilla it was ridiculous for explorers to go to africa to capture a gorilla when they could find one easily in the white house abraham lincoln can you picture his face they said that he never responded to any of that criticism he never said anything about it he just kept going The day that he was elected president, he was in search for a cabinet, and the position of secretary of war came up. And he sent an appointment to Edwin Stanton to be his secretary of war. All his friends and family... What in the world, why in all the people in the United States would you choose Edwin Stanton, your biggest critic, that has said all those hurtful. Have you not read the papers that he said those things? He quote, They quoted him in saying it. Why would you do that? Here's what he said. Because he's the best man for the job. Years later, when an assassination killed Abraham Lincoln, and on the night that he was laying in the bedroom that they placed him in. His secretary of war went in to see the fallen president, and he saw the rugged face of Abraham Lincoln, and he said, "This word, these words, there lies the greatest ruler of men the world has ever seen. Love is hard to do without having hope that the circumstances aren't going to change. See, when, when we as believers are taught early on, just love people, just love people, it's not long until we go, okay, and we try to love people, but we do not understand the necessary ingredient inside love that is generated called hope. And when you lose hope, it is Hard if not impossible to continue to walk in love when somebody is hateful and hurtful. This morning I may be speaking to somebody that has family members that have been hateful and hurtful to you. And maybe to this point you say, you know what, I've lost hope and didn't even realize it. I've lost hope in them that they could ever, ever see how much I love them. I'm encouraging you today, don't do that. Hope again. Walk in hope. Let me show you another thing. In that chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it talks about love having hope inside, but also faith has to have hope inside of it. This is what's amazing is in our, our famous, you know, that I always quote to myself is Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Faith is being sure of the things we hope for, certain of the things we do not see. See, without hope, it's almost impossible to have faith for something, even though without faith, it's impossible to please God. And that's why the ancients before us were uh, commended because of their faith. But here's what it is in another translation. It says this, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 and 2 says, The fundamental fact of existence. Did you hear that? The fundamental fact of existence is that This trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we cannot see. It's the act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors and set them above the crowd. So we know as believers that we have to have faith just like our ancestors that you know to be above average and and listen to me, it is not an arrogant or prideful thing to want to be above the crowd when it comes to doing the things that God has asked us to do. That obedience sets us above everybody else that is just doing what they think themselves to be right. But when we bring down that without hope, you can't have faith. All of a sudden, you see the importance of hope. You know, some people that don't know um, the word of God, they get confused. You know, they, they, they want a reason and, and they want to build truth off scratching their chinny, chin, chin. What comes first, the chicken or the egg? Well, let's think about it a minute. But knowing God's word and believing creation, the chicken came before the egg. And we settle that in our mind and we go, that's done. Instead of going, oh, let's think about it some more. No, no, no. We don't have to spend mental energy on stuff like that. But at the same time, when it comes to knowing this, some people get backwards the need in their life to hope for something. Let me explain. When you have faith for something, and what we're talking about today is the hope and the promise of God for us, Because, and I'll get to it in a minute, I'm getting before getting in front of myself. But knowing that without hope, it's impossible to have faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. So let me explain this. As you know that sometimes the journey is better than the destination. Anybody agree with that? If you don't, listen to this. One time my mother took Gwen and I and our family to Jamaica. Jamaica. Oh, let me tell you. She said, I'm going to pay for the trip, and we're going to go there, and we're going we're to do these things. And Gwen and I hadn't been married long, and we didn't have any children and, and didn't have any money. So when she said, I am paying for it, What? And I remember we got excited and and my brother-in-law says, hey, we can snorkel. So we all bought snorkel equipment. We even did a test run. We did a smaller trip ahead of time to Austin, to a lake that was the cleanest and, and the clearest in Texas, which was a little bit clear than a muddy creek but anyway we, we went to this lake and and we could see about this far in front of us but you know we had promised or they'd been promising that you could see fish in Jamaica and all this that went into it we would have Friday night dinners and we'd talk about the wonderful time that we're going to have in Jamaica it was the journey that was leading up, the anticipation. But you know as well as me, sometimes the journey is better than the destination. And we got to Jamaica and we got into a hotel, and my mom did the best she could and she had money. I mean, it wasn't like she was trying to save money. And we got in a hotel, but they don't have air conditioning in this. They have a swamp cooler. Anybody know what a swamp cooler is? It's like putting a wet cloth and blowing on you. And so we were kind of uncomfortable. And my sister and brother in law had just had a baby, and, and so uh, my mother had to stay in our room. That's right. Johnny Gwynn, nearly married, mom in the next bed. Okay. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. In Jamaica, they, they import a lot of their fresh water. So we go to restaurants and we would order water and they come out with a Dixie cup, you know, about this big. And it's a dollar for that, you know. So a lot of the experiences that we had weren't as pleasing as we thought they were going to be. There's nothing like hope, though. The, the one thing that we do know as believers is when we come to Jesus Christ and we make him Lord of our life, we realize that our destination is already fixed. We don't have to worry that it's going to be a bad destination of heaven. But a lot of times it's in reverse. That we think that our journey has to be just filled with suffering and mourning and you never know and boy, I tell you what, the world's going to end tomorrow. Have you, you know, we're going to have another strain of COVID and all of us are going to be dead in 30 days. (laughs) What? What? One of the Greatest things about going on a vacation like I and Gwen went on. The, the anticipation of the trip was something that I had anticipated, but also I had been on the trip before. So I had been on a cruise ship. I'd already known what was going to happen. Gwen and I were blessed to go on two five-day cruises back-to-back. They must have been on a cruise before, too. Because here's what happened. I didn't even realize it, but we, I, I reserved the same room. We didn't even have to change luggage, you know, or change rooms for the luggage and all that. And it was just wonderful. It, it wasn't that expensive compared to, like, going 10 days somewhere else because all your food is taken care of, all the things are taken care of. Going in, I'd already been there, but we, we just went on the vacation. in the one place... To look for hope, and and during this time where I was able to just kind of sit back and think about hope for this series, was on this cruise ship. This cruise ship is so large that there's over 3,000 guests when it's full, and over 1,500 crew people, crew men and women that serve from the captain down to the person that, you know, cleans the hallways. It's amazing how many people are on the ship. And a lot of times, if you've ever been on a ship, you realize that the people, the crew aren't always, but a lot of times they're, the majority are from other countries. So even though I'd been on the destinations before, like Cozumel or Progresto or Costamea and those little ports in Mexico, the fun thing for me is to corner one of those poor Indonesian or Filipino people. Why I say poor is because they're looking at me like, uh-oh, <laughs> he's looking at me. But I found out that they didn't really fear. They were anticipating a guest being able to talk to them because they then had permission to put down whatever they were doing and talk to me. So then, oh, Gwen thought I was crazy. But after I knew that, I was helping them. I was, I'd say, hey, come here for a minute. And they'd get smiling and I'd say, where are you from? They're and, and they'd tell me Philippines, Indonesia, Thailand, uh, Fort Worth, <laughs> wherever they're from, and, and I would begin to talk to them, and 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 I would say, so that's where you're from, and finally I would say, do, you, do you, are you married? And a lot of times, yeah, mar- I'm married. Is she on the ship? No, not on the ship. She's back in Indonesia. Yeah. Do you have any children? Yeah, I have one. And a lot of times they're young people and they'll say, yeah, I just have one. And he's like six weeks old. What? Six weeks old. And and beginning to make a friend with them, they begin to open up more and more. Now, Now, here's what I'm getting at is when I say, how long have you been on the ship? A lot of times, each one of them have made a contract, an agreement with the company to be on the ship this amount of time. Sometimes it's nine months, give or take a few months. And some of them have had like 10 contracts back to back to back to back to back so they go home just for a few weeks and then they come back on the ship or on another ship in another state that, that that's where it ports. But every time every time, I said every time that I would ask them, how long do you have that you have to do your job before you go home to see your family? Their eyes would begin to light up. And this smile would, I mean, just they couldn't even help it, would start on their face. And they would light up like a bulb. It's a Three days? You mean at the end of this cruise? Some of them would say six months, whatever it would be. They would always, you could almost smell hope on their breath when they'd say it. It was like, listen, it's like a relaxing drug because all of a sudden when they began to speak about the hope of seeing their family, there was a sense of comfort that would come back over them when that mental state would change from, I've got to do my job, I've got to work, I've got to live this life for so many months until I get to go home. And let me tell you, when I'm seeing it up here, it's not that big of a spiritual thing, but for me, When I looked in their eyes, it was like talking to some seniors that get to the place that one day all those family members that passed away in their life, they get to see those people again. And they start lighting up and they say, oh, I can't wait to see my mother. Can't wait to see my father, my my brother that has passed away. And these people on the ship, they would begin to get excited and excited. And the next time I would see them, a lot of times, maybe a day later on the cruise or two days later on the cruise, they would look at me and say, talk to my mom. I said, really, back in Indonesia? Yeah, how's she doing? Oh, she's doing great. For you and I, we watch every year how we celebrate something at the end of the year that will define how good or bad we classify that year as. And it's a holiday, and it's called Christmas. And this time of year, when we get past this little pumpkin and harvest festival Halloween time period, and some grocery stores and some Walmarts and some of those bigger stores are already putting Christmas things out. And I don't know about you, but I can walk in Home Depot for a hammer or something that has nothing to do with holiday. And they can be playing one song, and all of a sudden, I'm almost crying over in the utility section. And it is, I'll be home for Christmas. It's because of somewhere that I've been in my life that I had hope, and at Christmas, the things were going to change. There's something powerful about hope. Now, I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 6 portions of it. Now, we're at the middle of the sermon to the end, but, but I want you to ignite your brain. I know that I've spoken a while, but this is very important in Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to talk before we leave today about the main promise that God has given us, and that is our eternal security in Him, our salvation. In Hebrews chapter 6, Paul talks about that. And he reminds us of how good the church was doing. And he says this, God knows perfectly well all the love you've shown him by helping needy Christians and that you keep at it. And now I want each of you to extend the same intensity towards a full-bodied hope. I love that translation. In other words, lean into it, your salvation, and keep at it till the finish. Hmm. Then Paul in this translation even puts a little bit more. Don't drag your feet. Be like those who stay the course. Did you hear that? Stay the course with committed faith and then get everything that is promised to them. What he's saying is with that full-bodied hope, you can stay the course. There's going to be days that you get up that you feel like, I don't know if I can go on. And Paul says, keep the faith by having hope. In verse 13, he goes on, when God made his promise to Abraham, in other words, the promise, a promise, he's making a promise to somebody else, but he makes the promise of our eternal security in him. God made his promise to Abraham. He backed it all the way, putting his own reputation on the line. He says, I promise that I'll bless you with everything I have. Bless and bless and bless. Now look, at this is our reaction should be just like Abraham. Abraham stuck it out and got everything that had been promised him. When people make promises, they guarantee them by appeal to some authority above them so that if there is any question that they'll make good on the promise, the authority will back them up. When God wanted to guarantee his promise, listen, there was no greater authority. He was the authority, so it says this. He gave his word a rock-solid guarantee. I want to go back to this in a minute, but I want you to remember a rock-solid guarantee. I'm not talking about a greasy car salesman, I guarantee, or a suit salesman, I guarantee. We're talking about the creator of the universe put his word as a rock-solid guarantee. God can't break his word, and because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. Now, just two more verses. Listen to this. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let it go. It is an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right to the presence of God where Jesus, running on ahead of us, has taken up the permanent post as high priest for us in the order of Mechizedek. What this passage in another translation says is that is our eternal hope. It's the hope that is anchored in what Jesus did for us on the cross. Now stick with me. I only got a few minutes. I'm not telling you that life is easy. And we know that we go through storms all the time and we go through difficulties. And Paul even says in Romans chapter 12 uh, all the things of of looking at it a different way and, and how in Hebrews chapter 11 says faith is being sure of the things we hope for. And then you get, I'm sorry, into Hebrews chapter 12, the next chapter. And he says, we are running a long race. Anybody feel that beside me? Sometimes life is a long race. It's not a sprint. So Paul says, throw off all that stuff that entangles us, the sin that keeps us from running. And then he comes down to really saying, all these people in Hebrews chapter 11 had hope that the promise was going to be real and it was and they experienced it even though they didn't see it in this life, all of them. Sometimes in the long distance race we become tired and it's all of our challenge not to lose hope in the promise. We, we even sing songs or we do sing and we sang them this morning that we're confident that we're going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living not just when we're in heaven But life can be hard and what is the motivation that's going to keep you? Well, let me explain this way. Some of us came to Christ because we were motivated by the stick. And some of us were motivated by the carrot. See, some of us were motivated to come to Christ by fear. And some of us were motivated by relationship. I want to encourage you Listen, because sometimes we read Revelations chapter 20 and it says this, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And the death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And in verse 15 of chapter 20, it says, And whoever was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. Just in reading that, some of your emotion was triggered because how you came to know Christ. Some of you were... Some of it is called coming to Christ with hellfire and brimstone. Anybody heard a sermon on hellfire and brimstone? And and sometimes it was like you're like this. uh, You know, like I'm about ready to fall over. And I'm six years old and I'm going to go to hell. This morning, let me encourage you and, and, and say something to you. I know without the law that we would never know that we were lost. But at the same time, when you're running a long distant race and you're running to win the race, fear is not going to keep you and you'll lose hope. And what happens is when you lose hope, you'll become mean and begin to preach that same thing, hellfire and brimstone. Because I'm living under the hellfire brimstone stick Motivation. That's what I want to call you guys. You are all this close to hell. But listen why I believe that John 3 16 is the most famous passage in the whole scripture is because of the Im- immediate interpretation of everybody that hears it of how much Jesus wants to give us a relationship. That he is saying before he even died on the cross that God loved us so much that he sent his son to die that whoever believes on him should have eternal life. But the next verse says that he did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. If you go to Second Peter, and this is one of his number... People would say that Peter was his closest or one of his closest followers... He says this, the Lord is not slow, keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. What is that? The first week of this series, I want you to hear this. Inside love is generated hope. And without hope, it's impossible to have faith. And when you have a relationship, out of or a, a, a relationship instead of following out of fear, that that is where you put your hope in the love of Jesus Christ, that He wanted to have a relationship before you were even born, and so that during those times that you say, "Why do I have to keep going on as a believer?" Why is it that that person isn't loving me even though I'm loving them? Why is it hard for me to be expected to do things that other people aren't doing? It's because the promise that God has given you, that in turn all you have to do is hold on to that promise with hope and say, God, I know that you are who you say you are and can do what you say you can do. Let me say it again. Hope is generated inside of love and faith must have hope inside. And as we go through this series and watch how people put their hope in the things of God, the promises of God, you'll see them just, it's just amazing how all of a sudden this person just begins to rise. Because they had love? Yep. Because they had faith? Of course. But it's because they began with hope inside of them. And that's what I want for all of us. This morning, let's pray. Father, you are a loving father. And God, you have proven it just not by words, but God, in action, by sending your son to die for us and giving us the promise that not only can we have a relationship, not walk in fear, but God, you have given us a promise that we will walk with you and spend our eternal lives with you. What an amazing amazing Father that you are to us. Father, this morning, if there is anybody here that has not made a commitment to you, Father, I just pray that they would realize the love that you have for them. That Father, all they have to do is say, forgive me of my sins. Father, come into my life and be Lord and Savior of my life. Father, your word says all they do is make a commitment to you and you do the work of forgiving them. There's nothing that they have done to deserve it, but God, you have given them eternal life if they make that choice. And Father, I just pray that they would understand that, Father, that they don't have a relationship out of fear with you, but a relationship of love. And that they can hold on to your promises as guaranteed by the name of God Almighty. In your wonderful name I pray. Amen. I want you, this week, as you begin to think about this sermon and process it in your mind, to ask yourself for next week and the week after that, what are you hoping for in your life? Because if you're hoping for nothing, then probably you have no faith for things in your life. And it's hard to be full of faith if there's nothing really that you're believing God for in your life. The second thing I want you to do this week is realize that you're carrying around something that everybody you come in contact with desperately needs. And here it is. And that is good news. In a world that we live in right now, you know how it is. What about tomorrow? What about the inflation? What about mortgages? What about all the what if? And the good news of the gospel is hope for their future. And you can tell them how much God loves them. You don't have to be an attorney to defend the word of God. All you are is a witness. Just tell what God has done in your life. Amen. Let me again say a few announcements before dismissed. Thanks again for the breakfast this morning, Justin Cruz and Justin Calicott. Thank you so much. Let's give them a hand. Also, please pray for the Pleasant pleasant Hills Children's Home and what you can give. Remember to give to our fall outreach at Axiom. Aren't you blessed to realize that we own our own coffee shop as a church? Let me tell you, when I am blessed is when I'm down there and some of the largest churches in the world are there having Bible studies in our coffee shop. And God taps me on the shoulder and says, It's not your coffee shop, John. It's my coffee shop. It's a kingdom coffee shop. And so I love it too. And, and maybe I shared this real quick, is the other day there was about four little girls sitting around one of the tables having a Bible study. And they, they weren't part of a church. They were just in And I walked over there and said, are you guys having a Bible study? And they looked up and kind of, yes. I said, you can't do that here. And they went, oh. And I said, yes, you can. I'm the pastor of the church that owns it. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. It's a little bit too much, I know. But they looked up at me. Really? Great. What's your name? All right. (laughs) Bye-bye. But it was such a blessing for me to say, and I told them, I said, you can have a Bible study here anytime. We're not like other coffee shops that say you can't do that. You can do that here. And we're going to have an outreach on Halloween night. Yeah, I said it, Halloween Boo! You know, we're going to have it at Axiom, free coffee, free hot chocolate, I think half off all the drinks, really, which is at our cost. And then we're going to give away free candy to all the children. Uh, We've got an outreach. Uh, Quentin, would you stand? Where's Quentin? There. Let's give him a hand. The reason why you gave him a hand is he's going to be... He's going to be sharing the gospel, that we're going to have some worship time out in the back. we got some of the young adult activities. So Then when they come, they're going to hear about the gospel in a one-minute presentation. We're not going to have a Billy Graham crusade, but we're going to have a one-minute. And then they're going to be invited back next Sunday to uh, the church. Uh, but that'll be on Monday night. We need some support on uh, buying the candy and all that. You say, well, Pastor, I don't, I don't do trick-or-treat. I not do Well, good, you can give money here and we'll do trick-or-treat at the chapel at Axiom Coffee. And again, why do we do that? Because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so when people understand, wow, this this is owned by that church down there? Yeah, we love you. Ladies, there's a Bible study. Did you notice that Gwen said, if you're female, and she looked at me like, I'm going to show up. Come on. (laughs) I would walk in a fence, but that's not what the Word of God says to do, so I chose not to, but we all have some words after church. Anyway, ladies, Bible study, Thursday night, 629 in the night, in the sanctuary, you're invited. She says Thursday on her slip, but it is Tuesday night. (laughs) Did I just do that against my wife? I would if she wouldn't have been in the children's church today, I'm, but if she was there. But that's Tuesday night at 6.30, and uh, we have some p- things for the men planned in the future, so stay tuned. Why don't you stand? What are you putting your hope in this week? Think about it. God, thank you for allowing us to come here and worship you in a free country. God, we pray for our country and our leaders that you'd give them wisdom and strength. Father, as we leave now, help us to realize our identity, that God, that we have good news to tell the people that are around us, and we will choose to do that. This is what we pray in Jesus' name, and everybody in agreement said, Amen. Amen. You go get them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.